Amen. Well, again, good evening. I just uh, came back recently from an amazing vacation, and I don't know, maybe some of you are like me, but before I'm even finished with one vacation, I'm thinking about the next vacation. I love vacations, and not just vacation for the time off. I love to go places, love to go places and plan, and half the fun, or more than half the fun times, is just getting ready and planning for that too, but sometimes people get caught up so much in just What's the next thing? What's coming up? What can I do next? What kind of adventure? What kind of activity can I do? Some of you are already ready for Christmas. You know, around my house, the, the Hallmark Channel has been playing regularly. Some of you can relate to that. <laughs> and Christmas in July is very popular. But some people, there's a few of you planners out there who are getting ready. You have your list already ready to go. Some of you probably would tell me that you have your shopping done already. The other are like, who are these people? But... <laughs> But some of you get excited about that, and that's okay. You're thinking about coming up. You're thinking about what's happening next summer, what's happening for spring break. You know, school's coming up for many of you. What's going to happen in school? Got everything planned out. Who am I going to talk to? What class am I going to go to? Some of you are ready to plan your wedding. You know, some of you guys are looking at the girl next to you and thinking, thinking, um, when's the wedding, baby? All right. <laughs> you know, don't use that line. I've tried it. It doesn't work. No, I haven't, actually. <laughs> but... People are just excited about the future, but sometimes we get focused so much on what's coming up next. We even talk about next steps here at the church. It's appropriate in some cases, but sometimes we just need to take a step back. We need to pause and we need to focus and focus on today. There's an, uh, a movie many years ago called Dead Poet Society that resurrected a phrase, an old Latin phrase called carpe diem. You hear it occasionally on TV in the movies, carpe diem. It means seize the day. Seize the day. We're going to talk about that in a little bit with a perspective from God's Word in Philippians chapter 3. But seize the day is simply an exhortation or an encouragement to live life to the fullest, how to get the most out of each and every day. And if you sur surveyed this room here, most of you would probably say that this is what you want from your own life, that you want to get the most out of life that it can offer. No one really starts out in life just to be mediocre or starts out wanting to be average, at least not many are willing to admit it, and by nature we want our lives to be full. Now, advertisers in our society know this, and they know about this basic human desire building into their slogans. You probably recognize some of these from the past. You know, who says you can't have it all, right? That's preached in our society. Just do it, one of the most famous ones. Take that leap. Satisfy your thirst. Another one is, life is a journey, enjoy the ride, and even famous one, I was in the military, be all you can be. Our messages all around us are encouraging us to get the most out of life, but when it doesn't measure up to our vision or what we thought it was going to be, it's very easy to get disappointed sometimes. And we get caught up in the details of day-to-day -day living and the distractions, and we figure, you know, we got commitments and problems and priorities, and we just lose sight of what it means just to focus on today and do what God has called us to do at this very day in this very moment. And so the Apostle Paul believed in this philosophy of life, I believe, carpe diem. And in Philippians 3, he puts it easily within our grasp. And just tonight, just briefly want to share with you three key nuggets from this scripture in Philippians chapter 3 about how Paul, I believe, is really telling us how to focus on the moment and seize the day and how to live life to the fullest. I'm going to read a few passages from 
Philippians chapter 3, it's on the screen behind me, and you can also look at these notes in the app and take time to study this later. I always encourage you later on during the week to take time to look through this, pray about it. How does it speak to you? How are you going to implement this in your life? So verse 7 in Philippians 3. So Paul is saying, he's just given the big history here of you know, his background and all the great things that he's done in life. But he said, it was not for my profit, it's for the Lord. He says, whatever is to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things, and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. In order for a business, a church, an organization, a person to be successful, they first have to know what their purpose is. I think most of you are familiar with the IRS. If you've had a job, that's the organization that we just think takes our money, right? <laughs> the Internal Revenue Service. But it's interesting, there's a little excerpt that I, I found about in the 1976 IRS handbook. This is just a really interesting thing. It states, during a state of national emergency resulting from enemy attack, the essential functions of the service will be as follows, assessing, collecting, and recording taxes. Hmm. So while we're getting blown up by nuclear bombs, they're still going to be taking our money like before. That's what it says. <laughs> but they knew their purpose. They knew their purpose is clearly spelled out, even if it seems ridiculous to us. But here's an easy question. You know, what's the purpose of a pen, a writing pen? Seems pretty simple, right? To write. You know, you may have a fancy, you know, $1,000 gold pen, but if it ran out of ink, it's no good to you. If you need to sign an important document, you're going to put that expensive piece of equipment aside, and you're going to find a 29-cent big pen that's going to work and do the job for you, right? So as much effort, craftsmanship went into that original pen, it's no good if it can't fulfill its purpose. And as much effort or work as we put into things, as Paul has said, as he put into his life and all the study and effort that he might make on his own, it was all worthless compared to what Christ is doing in his life. And he wanted to discover what the real purpose for his life is. And so we have to fulfill our purpose. And really the essence of that is in verse 10. And Paul says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And simply put, that should be our goal as well, to know Christ. Now, that seems like a pretty broad thing, but to know Christ, to be like him, that should be the starting point of anything that we do. And focusing on the day, every day getting up saying, Lord, I want to know you better. I want to increase my relationship with you. And you, Lord, show me what to do. Show me where to go. And so the second step is pretty simple, but... Interesting, it seems to go across uh, against some of the culture that, that uh, we're taught. So in verse 13, it talks about forgetting the past. And there's two components to this. Sometimes we have to forget the bad stuff. 
Now, that seems a little easier. Most of us want to forget the bad stuff, but sometimes it keeps coming up. Other people bring it up. You're like, let that go, man. Let that go. Other people throw it in our face sometimes if we messed up or made a mistake. But Paul had a past to forget. Paul, the Apostle Paul, before he was an apostle of Jesus Christ, he was a persecutor of the early Christians. He was a leader of the Jews to wipe from the face of the earth all Christians. That was his goal and purpose at the time until God met him on a road miraculously and transformed his life and he became a follower. But he could have easily let that hold him back. He could have said, nobody in the world is ever going to accept me as a Christian knowing that I was doing my best to kill all that I could. And that's, that's real. It's in the Bible. And so Paul knows what he's talking about. He had a lot of things to overcome. You know, maybe you've had a bad experience, something you did long ago that you regret. Maybe the memories keep coming back to haunt you and keep you from living a full life today, but we have to forget the past. It's gone, it's done, it's over. It can't hurt us anymore, and Jesus Christ takes our sins, buries them, and puts them away, amen, where we don't have to deal with that anymore, and he can deal with it. Now, in forgetting the past, sometimes we actually have to forget the good, and now that sounds against psychological advice, things you hear on talk shows about, we have to forget the good sometimes. And what that means is not to be satisfied with our life in its present state. It's okay to pop, it's okay to celebrate a little bit, but we always need to be looking for that next step and moving forward. Uh, think about, if you follow football, think about the Super Bowl champions. We're getting ready for the season starting up again. So Philadelphia Eagles had a great victory over the New England Patriots. Regardless of your allegiance um, or what you think about football, I think you all can relate to this that, well, there's a new season, right? Some new players, a new season, a new vision. They can celebrate for a little while, but now they're getting back to work. They're putting in the hard work to see what they can do again this season, and nobody's just going to hand it to them on a silver platter. They have to get in and work. They have to play the games and see what happens this year. So it's okay to celebrate, but we can't rest on our laurels or rest on our accomplishments. We have to not be satisfied for the present and make the best of today and still move towards the future. And that's the third point is struggling or straining or moving towards the future. It's described a little differently in different English translations of the Bible that you read, but I like the word struggling toward the future, and that's in verses 13 and 14 in particular. But we need to realize our possibilities and not focus on our weaknesses. God helps us discover possibilities of things that can be. He gives us a hope of heaven that can last forever, that this life is not all there is. And that we can't be satisfied with mediocrity. And in his present, Paul was setting the example of pressing on and struggling. And the past can't be changed, but the future is what lies before us. And Paul talks about, again, reaching forward, struggling toward those things that lie ahead. And sometimes it can be a struggle, as we mentioned. It's not just that easy just to say, just forget it, put it, put it behind ourselves. But the more we connect with God through Jesus Christ, through knowing our purpose, then the easier those things become. It's a constant process and a growing process as we go through our life and focusing on, okay, that was in the past. I'm here today. I'm going to do what's necessary today to get me to the next day and the next day and the next day because it gets very overwhelming if we look at everything that's coming up. As I mentioned, planning that next event, planning your life out, who knows what is going to happen the next day in our lives? Make the best of today, struggle towards the future, and it's a gradual, lifelong process. And the beautiful thing here, it says that he is struggling toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, some of that seems a little intangible about 
knowing Christ, what that's about, but he's talking about a physical prize, just as in a runner of a race. Even back then, they could relate to that in the Bible times about a runner winning a race, and they got a physical prize, that we have the prize of the gift of being in heaven with Jesus Christ someday. And that's an amazing gift to look forward to. And we should be glad that this life is not all there is, that we do have something that is coming next to look forward to, but we have to do what God calls us to do each step of the way, one day at a time. And so three simple points there, knowing our purpose, forgetting the past, sometimes forgetting the bad, forgetting the good, leaving it behind, and moving or struggling toward the future. And faith, hope, prayer, hard work, perseverance, all those things go into that to help us really seize the day. And we have to discover our purpose in life. And here's just a, an example to trigger our thoughts for seizing the day. Just let this, uh, let this speak to you. There's a story from World War II. It goes way back about a young soldier and his commanding officer were traveling together on a train. And train travel is more common in those days, too. And the soldiers would be transported uh, to their next duty station or ready to ship overseas. And so, so the young soldier and his commanding officer, they were getting on this train and and they were trying to find a seat in the car. And the only place they could find was uh, one of those seats. If you've seen pictures of a train or been on a train, sometimes there's those seats with a table in between that, or the seats can face each other where people can converse and talk. And so the only seats they could find were uh, across from an elderly grandmother and her young granddaughter, you know, young woman, uh, young adult age. And so uh, as the time went on and the, the train trip was going on and stretching over several hours, you know, of course the young soldier is a young man and, uh, Hadn't been around girls in a while, maybe. You know, he's looking at the young lady across from him, and they're developing a relationship and a little flirtatious and making conversation, and, uh, and, uh, and things just continue to progress in the relationship. And, you know, the other, the commanding officer and the grandmother just kind of listening in, you know, and smiling with that, too. But at some point along the way in their journey, the train suddenly went into a tunnel, and the car became pitch black. Everything was dark. Couldn't see anything. And immediately... Two sounds were heard. There was the smack of a kiss, and then there's the whack of a slap across the face. Now, here's how each of those four people interpreted the sound of the kiss and the sound of the slap across the face. Now, the grandmother thought, I can't believe the young soldier kissed my granddaughter, but I'm glad she gave him the slap that he deserved. Now, the commanding officer thought, I don't blame the boy for kissing the girl. I can understand the attraction, but it's a shame that she missed his face and hit me instead. <laughs> now, the young girl thought, oh, I'm glad that he, had, he was bold enough to kiss me, but I wish my grandmother hadn't slapped him for doing it. And as the train broke into the sunlight, the soldier couldn't wipe the smile off of his face because he had just seized the opportunity to kiss a pretty girl and slap his commanding officer at the same time and got away with it. Don't try this at home. Don't try that at home. I don't condone any of that behavior, but, but that young man certainly knew how to seize the day and to seize the opportunity to take advantage of the situation in that moment. Creative thinking, and sometimes... God can give us that creative thinking. God created everything in the world. Any creative idea or thought or opportunity that comes our way, God is in that. God is in that. A lot of people consider themselves as creative individuals. Yes, that may be your primary gift. God can give creativity to anybody. God can give an idea, a spark, imagination. 
Everybody has different levels. We're all functioning at different levels for different purposes, but God uses it all somehow in the body of Christ to come together for that purpose. And so just think about taking advantage of every opportunity that comes our way, but it starts, first of all, to be like Jesus. And I just ask you to think right now and pray and consider, what, is it, what do I need today to move to the next step in my relationship with Christ? Maybe some of you are here and maybe you never made that decision. Maybe you've never taken that step to dedicate, commit yourself to Christ. Maybe you're still just checking it out or figuring it out, what that means. You've heard about Jesus. Some people talked about it and you thought, hey, I'm just going to wander in this church building today. Maybe you've been coming for a little while and never fully committed or understood what's going on. And we want to help you on that journey. Church is part of the ways that we learn about that, but there's many ways. You can study on your own. You can talk to others. There's stuff on the internet, stuff on TV to learn, but commit yourself today to do what it takes to get closer to God wherever you are. So let's just take a little time to pray right now and just for you to focus on that moment and focus on what it means to improve your relationship with God. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your goodness to us, for the way that you have reached down into our lives, into our world, and shown us that you have a plan, you have a purpose for our lives, and that you want to interact with us. Lord, if there's those here today who maybe they've been following you but have felt discouraged, have felt disheartened and kind of lost their way, just pray that you help them to rediscover that today. That you help them to get it back and to get fresh knowledge and fresh inspiration of serving you and learn just what happens today, what happens tomorrow. Yes, Lord, you're going to take care of me. I'm going to put my trust in you every day, one day at a time. We pray that you will reach out to them right now as they reach out to you and minister to their hearts. And if there's those here today, Lord, who are seeking you, who haven't ever made that commitment to follow you for the very first time, just help them to know all it takes is just a simple prayer, just praying like we're talking right now, just saying, Lord, please forgive me for my sins. I know that I've done wrong and done things against your word. Help to make me a new person. Take that sin, take that past, and throw it away, and help me to get a new start in life today and know what it means to serve you. And if you just pray that prayer sincerely, that's the starting point of what it means to serve him. Lord, we pray for those today, again, who are still considering you, need encouragement today. We know you will be with us every step of the way and help us continue to focus on your word and focus on your plan and purpose for our life. In your holy name we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, again, just some simple thoughts to focus on. If you made that decision today, or maybe you're still considering uh, following Jesus, you want to know more about that as well. I'll be around here afterwards. Pastor Jonathan and others will be here afterwards. If you want to come talk to us, you can fill out a connection card. Let us know you made that decision. You can uh, bring that to the information center or one of the connection centers after church. Even if you just want more information or just to talk to somebody, maybe you're afraid to come up. And, uh, and be visible about that too. We'd love just to have a conversation with you and to help you on those next steps to following Christ. We even have an opportunity where you can text. There's a number, it's 210-610-2129, 210-610-2129. If you just text new life, you text the words new life to that number, we'll give you, uh, it'll, we'll get your contact information and we'll help have somebody contact you and reach out to you to get you started on that journey. So God bless you all. Thanks for celebrating with us tonight. Go in the love and peace of the Lord. Amen.